Welcome back to Stories Out of Time and Space. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and as always, I'm joined by Julian Darius. And today, it's a bit of a shock. It's an earth shock. We're talking about the Peter Davison Doctor today and the serial Earth Shock. We'll start. Julian, how are you doing? You okay? Oh, I'm doing great. I now understand uh, what killed the dinosaurs. I've been enlightened. (laughs) How about you? Yeah, no, I'm good, thanks. It's, yeah, good. This was uh, an interesting one. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Damn I have, it with faint praise. Yeah. The Cybermen in this. This is a Cyberman story. We should hop hot. This is, <clears throat> this is the first of our first Cyberman story we've done. I think the only Cyberman story we'll do. Um, my, my experience with the Cybermen is, is more to do with sort of like modern new who. Sort of like, you know, sort of. Um, and they've been very robotic. It's this idea of removing all emotion, all sort of like you know sense of humanity, and being sort of robotized, being cybertized. But yeah, the Cybermen in this literally just look like stormtroopers. They sort of like they like they literally sort of stood around. They chat. They have small talk. There's all kinds of things going on. Where I'm like, these do not feel like Cybermen. It's bizarre. I mean, the suits are quite cool. I kind of like the look, but. Yeah, yeah, it was. It, 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 there's some that just made me chuckle, and also because they've all got a, like they've all got a specific kind of accent as well. Like they've tried to remove that more with the modern who by digitising mm. the voices. But you've got like, I'm sure one of them from from Yorkshire. You know, sort of like you've got some accents going on with the Cybermen. Well, the really Doctor cool. can be, you know, uh, then Cyber the Cybermen yeah. can be. Uh, I think it's mostly the leader though who gets yes. most of, and, and it's not that. It's not that the others are uh, really sound like they're robots or something, but it's it's the cyber leader who is um, much more chill, much more a, a yeah. very different and and a very different kind of cyberman than you know the the original series usually portray too. Um, so and and I like that. Um, I mean, I have to say I'm quite taken with this serial. Uh, I'm hoping that we'll we'll have some uh, some a nice oh. row over. We we will because I thought this was possibly one of the worst. Like I I, I thought Inferno was better than this. <laughs> I, I thought Inferno this was quite had possibly con- the best of, oh, of well. all the ones that we have done. So you could so convince we'll, we'll me. Have it. Well, who knows? But. We'll see. Um, yeah, because this is I said the Peter Davison Doctor, um, who again I think is one of the few, the doctors I know the least about. Um, he has three companions. Uh, Matthew Waterhouse playing Adric, uh, Sarah Sutton playing Nyssa, uh, and Jeanette Fielding playing Tegan. And they land on a future Earth um, in a field in the middle of nowhere uh, to find out that there was a military expedition going down to, ex- to investigate some caves where some, I believe, archaeologists or scientists have been doing some work and they have gone missing. Um, 
And upon searching those caves, they come across the Doctor and his companions and a bomb, a, a sort of a large, I don't know, not particularly large one, but just a bomb, but a very powerful and destructive bomb. Um, they then track the, I don't know, signal, signal. Yeah. for the bomb, which I'm not entirely sure. I've got questions about some of this stuff. Um, so the bomb was planted on Earth, but then it takes them to a, a freighter that is entering Earth's solar system. Um, and when they travel to it, they find that the uh, freighter is carrying 15,000 capsules that contain Cybermen. And they are coming as an invasion force for Earth. When that doesn't quite work out, because of the Doctor, they then intend to use the uh, freighter uh, as a missile, basically, to destroy Earth. And through food, I, I think I blinked or something and nodded off, but they end up 65 million years in the past. And it turns out that this freighter is actually the asteroid that killed the dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, we will get to what I want to. I want to talk about Adric's death, sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Pointless, mm-hmm. pointless exercise in getting rid of an actor. Um, we shall see. Um, but let, go on then. Let, let's sort of start. So that's sort of the general plot. What, what, what are your sort of any, any thoughts then on your first thoughts on Earthshark? Um, it took me a few minutes to get into. Um, yeah, but but I would say that. First of all, I, I like Davidson as, as the doctor. I don't like the costumes. The costumes are terrible, right? Yeah. Except for the Cybermen. But, I mean, the, the costumes of uh, the companions and, and the doctor are, are just terrible. Mm. But he plays a very different doctor. And even though he is the doctor with the, you know, asparagus on the lapel, uh, you know, he's known yeah. as a sort of sillier doctor. He doesn't play it that way. At least not yeah. in Earthshock. And Urshak, he's he's very serious, and this is a much more deadly doctor and a, and a deadly universe than I'm used to seeing, even than in the Revive series. Um, right from the start, it's clear that this is, you know, it's like this is not your father's doctor, right? Yeah. And I, I love it. Like, everything is up for grabs. You know, one I really admire how it's true you point out, like, the going into the past thing, and we'll get to that later. There are plot holes, right? I mean, yes. the, the, you know, the signal for this bomb, why you really even need a bomb and the plot. Well, who planted I mean, it? Who came yeah, up well, and planted it? Well, I mean, those androids, you know, that are, why did the, the Cybermen have their own androids, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, but the Cybermen are cybernetic, right? There's, mm. there's an organic component. So, okay. But, and the androids, but I mean, so right from the start, let me just back up, right from the start. The TARDIS materializes in a cave. Yeah. It, it's something different than you've seen before. They go out. People are dying. You see these androids, and these androids are very slick. It, it's a better design than you're used to seeing on Doctor Who. This is something that's closer to, like, the day the Earth stood still mm. than traditional Monster of the Week Doctor Who stuff. So it's clear this is a very different sort of story. And then... You know, what really won me over and where where I started realizing, oh, everything is just being done at a much, I hate to say, like a much smarter level because it has these daft elements. But it really is being done at uh, there's a whole different level to the writing. The writing is up at cracked into a fever pitch. 
it's really aiming for the fences in a way that Doctor Who usually doesn't. Um, and what, what made me realize this is where you have the bomb introduced and their first reaction is to evacuate using the TARDIS. Thank you. Why has, yeah. you know, I've, I've been waiting for this for my entire life. You could fit the entire population in there, evacuate the caves with the TARDIS. That's their first instinct. And I'm like, oh, we're in a much smarter universe than we usually are. Now I'll let you <laughs> disagree. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm, I'm fine with that because I think you're right. There are moments in this, and you, especially in the deadlier doctor, the deadlier story. Like, I, there are moments in this when I'm like, cool, yeah, they've done something that feels a bit more, not so much weighty or meaty, but like it, it feels a bit more impactful, maybe. But then it also feels like, and I think this is a problem with some of the serial nature of Doctor Who. So, like, Adric is clearly sort of like, okay, Adric is going to be companion of the serial. Mm-hmm. Like, he's going to be the focus of the serial, and it obviously plays off as to why. So, Nissa is basically going to stay in the sort of, in the TARDIS and wobble a button. That's it. You know what I mean? And so there's, there's little mm-hmm. bits of like the, the, and I, I was sort of like, oh, okay, well, he has, the, he now has three companions. And there's things about that I kind of like. Because it actually made me think, I was like, well, they wear different clothing. And then, oh, they're actually, they're not all human. Like, mm-hmm. Adric's not even from our dimension. Like, he's from a mm-hmm. different plane of existence. So I was like, that's kind of cool. That's interesting. Um, But, like, there was just sort of things that I say, when it all comes together as an overall, and I went back and thought about things like this, that, that bomb and the androids and they were like, this is an invading force. And you realize, and then they're going to draw I'm like, well, but you've already been here because you've laid the bomb <laughs> that's got a signal to this ship. So who who's done that? And so why didn't you invade when you were doing that? Like it, 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 you say there's, you know, there's some, there, there are moments mm. of great, but overall, like in the motivation for the Cybermen, even then, is oh, we can destroy Earth. I was like, what? Why? Like, I don't. I still, I'm still not getting. You know, like, well, we, well, I do think, I, I do think that's a failure of the serial. But there is an answer. The answer is that you're told that there is a meeting going on on Earth, right? Which presumably you were just there. You didn't hear anything about, right? I'm more troubled by that than I that. I mean, you're right, of course, logically, how did, you know, if, if you somehow got into these caves with a bomb and, and an android force, uh, how could, now, I don't know. I mean, you could come up with an easy explanation for that, right? Mm. The Cybermen are part organic, you know, you slip something in earlier, this was an old force that got reactivated, I mean, you took control of the android, any number of ways you could get around this, but they don't bother. No. And uh, ostensibly the correct answer is that there is a inner stellar meeting going on on earth of species that are all at war with the cybermen and uh so the cybermen want to you know uh, eradicate this meeting kill people uh, the presidents of the different planets at this meeting i think uh, you know one of the things that i really like about the serial is how many sets it uses uh, yes. It does not look cheap. It looks no. like it's really it, those the spaceship, the freighter looks great. Um, you have a bigger cast of like extra Cybermen traipsing about that ship than you've ever seen before on the show. Um, and yet 
a simple, you know, like redress some other set just to make it like the United Federation of Planets, you know, meeting of these. And, and just to give us some sense of connection to that would have done wonders. And I think cleared up some of this problem. Yeah, I agree. And that, that is sort of a drop line later on, as you say, there's this, there's this meeting. I, I, I 100% agree about the sets. Uh, and actually, again, about some of the cast. Um, this, to me, this is this 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 series gets better once they are on the freighter. Mm-hmm. I think the second two episodes are much better than the first two episodes, which I suppose is what you want, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the woman who plays the captain, and I like the fact she's sort of like. There's so much in this that I'm watching and going like, this is influ- This has been influenced almost by Alien. Like there's mm-hmm. this idea of like we're a freighter and we have a job to do and like I've got a we're bonus. Corporate. Yeah, it's corporate. Yeah. I've got to make this delivery. If I don't, I get fined. Um, and then you've got other people sort of talking to that. Um, like you said, I like it when they they come out of the pods. Although again, it, they're covered in cellophane, and again, I'm like yeah. a bit like okay, the, you know, you didn't need. There's there's sometimes like steps too much. It's it's minor quibbles. But when it should the, be smaller and you don't need the, the cellophane around them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. It looks like they're coming out. They look like a toy when they're coming out of that thing. But I do like it when the Cybermen are overtaken. They've got like the barriers and stuff. However, and it made me chuckle. And this is one of those things that I think has been addressed later. And it, it felt, it reminded me of Star Wars. Mm. They can't see anything out of those Cybermen helmets. <laughs> and it is abundantly clear at times when there's ah, yeah. shots of one of them like tripping over something. There's one where they bump into each other and stuff like that. And I'm like, <laughs> it must have been a nightmare trying to traverse some of these sets in these helmets where you've got like a mesh in front of your eyes and the sets are quite dark at times. Mm. I you must not, yeah, they probably could not see a great deal. Um yeah, that was most evident for me when they're when they're going up and down the stairs, stairs and the gang yes. planks, and every step they take looks so uncertain. Um, but in, in a weird, I mean, I'm okay with it. Um, you know, you and I can kind of tolerate a lot of that yeah. sort of stuff. I mean, yeah, it looks a little cheap, but I also think, well, you know, they're they're semi, you know, they're androids you know this yeah. is a little ro- awkward robotic kind of thing they, they've upped the design i like the design mm. like like you said it's like you know um th- but the thing i think that's funny is it's, it's the movements and again they sort of in new who they've obviously moved towards this idea of robotics and they wear like those big suits it looks like a robot you know with a brain or something inside of it that they've obviously stripped it all down and you say about the ste- uh, the walking, and you're right. That is that is, and again, I can overlook that. The walking again. Often I will because I, I do think like you can't see anything. Like you don't want to tread on someone or trip over a box. Like you know. So I understand that. Where where it made me chuckle more though was uh, the Cybermen have like a, a control center. Like it's got it's like a like mm. a, a hologram display thing that they sort of. And there's also a really cool moment at the beginning when they when they highlight that the Doctor has defeated them. Mm. repeatedly in the past and it shows flashes of past doctors and past cybermen and i thought that's kind of cool you know i like that i like that notion um but the thing i thought is like one i think the leader leaves or one of them leaves and another guy steps in and he's supposed to click several buttons and it's quite clear he can't see where the ball is (laughs) and so like he sort of reaches down he's like i think this is it click and it's sort of like so again it's sort of 
Um, it, it doesn't look cheap. It doesn't. But it's sort of like undercut at times by some mm. of these silly things. Which, again, like if it, even from a sort of production point of view, I'm like, right, film him the arm going down. And then mm. the next shot is a close with the hand. And have the poor guy take his helmet off so you can sort of see what he's doing. So it looks different. But, um, it, it, yeah, they just made me chuckle. I think that was part of the problem is every t- now and then I kept feeling like I didn't know what the stakes really were. I didn't, I couldn't, I struggled to take the Cybermen seriously as a threat. They look good and stuff, but yeah, I don't know. There was something about this, this, this serial that really sort of just didn't work for me. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I couldn't disagree more about the, the overall effect. Um, I mean, to me, look, I mean, you know, that, that sort of Cyberman control is sort of like the cyber version of the TARDIS. It is that sort of like round central control. And I'm so used to, I mean, let's be serious. Every time the doctor ever interacts with the TARDIS, it is the most ludicrous, embarrassing thing you've ever seen. Yeah. Even in the new series, right? Where it's like, oh, oh I'm going to push these buttons. And also in the new series. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. Because it's sort of embracing the comedy and absurdity yeah. of it. But, um, you know, so there's there's no real pretense that any of it makes sense. So, I mean... Having been trained to accept that, I'm perfectly willing to have the the uh, the Cybermen stumble over the controls, <laughs> literally fall on top of it as the way that they push. The, I'm totally fine with that. I've accepted that going in. Um, but I, I, I will say, you know, for me, the the whole opening, you're right, mm-hmm. is not as strong as once they were on the freighter. But I love that they... You know, they not only have the idea of evacuating using the TARDIS, but then they put soldiers on the TARDIS. Soldiers are on the TARDIS. Mm. You see multiple people. You know, I mean, this is just a shock from, I mean, Doctor Who never has additional people in the TARDIS. And if it is, it's one civilian. You know, they always have to talk about how it's bigger on the inside. And, you know, Um, here they're just along. You got soldiers along for the ride. And later on, the Cybermen invade the TARDIS, for God's sake. Like, is that not the coolest thing you've ever seen in a Doctor Who serial? Like, how has the new show not done that? Like, you know, legions of Cybermen just invading the TARDIS. I mean, that is the coolest thing I've ever seen in a Doctor Who serial. I I did like that, and that bit towards the end, actually. And and I thought it was interesting, and I was going to mention this, because they bang on about, especially nowadays, even back then, you saw it with sort of like, you know, especially with sort of like the Baker Doctor, and you see it, you will, we will see it again more explicitly with uh, the Seventh Doctor. Um, this idea of belittling and sort of talking down to soldiers and mm. the military, like that's that's something the Doctor does, and it has become more of a thing in, in New Who um, than mm-hmm. than previously. But yeah, in this, he sort of, not, not that he embraces them, but he just recognises that firstly they're people, so like, yeah, Mm-hmm. You know, soldiers are not get them on the TARDIS, but then also he rec- the doctor recognizes they sort of have a place in this situation, mm. <clears throat> um, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, so I, I agree with that that the dynamic of things feels different, and that invasion of the TARDIS does is is great, and also it's not bloodless. It, well, it is bloodless mm. in the sense of there's no actual blood, but like it's not. It comes at the expense. Like one of the one of the um, 
the there's a professor or a woman that they come across who's a scientist who's sort of like the first person they come across on the dig and she you know, she's killed by Simon in mm-hmm. the invasion mm-hmm. um and you know Nissa obviously sort of like has a whole moment over it but like it, it, you're right that that I that's what I'm saying the second half of this I'm actually kind of like yeah that's cool it's the first half that sort of felt a bit like meandering where I'm like, this is four episodes and I'm pretty sure you could have done more, mm. you know, in this sort of thing yeah. to make it a bit more impactful. Because um, you seem to have spent an awful lot on the set, yet you're packing them all into the second two episodes. It sort of felt weird. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with what you're saying. Although I did like, I did like that it suddenly changes from that for sort of first act um, where it's in the caves to the second sort of like, you know, two and a half episodes uh, of a four episode uh, serial where you're suddenly on the freighter and you're like, mm. were we in the caves? No, we're not going to go back there. I mean, yeah. it, it just takes this this left turn. And I love that. I mean, I'm so used to, uh, you know, Tom Baker being in, you know, what I'm supposed to believe is like the Arctic and you know, I'm mean, he's just going to be traipsing around a snowy landscape for six fucking half hour episodes, yeah. you know. And here, just being like in the caves, and you think, oh, cool, it's a Cyberman. People are arguing, people are dying. Well, we'll see where this goes, but I'm not sold yet. And then to just suddenly have that hard turn, I just think is it's electrifying for me how much this is willing to break the mold of what a Doctor Who serial is supposed to be. Mm. No, I see what you're saying about that. I do agree. Um, about the structure of it. And I think it's because it was, I think because I struggled to get into it so much for the first couple of episodes, I, I, I'll say, I, as I said, I enjoyed the second two way more. But mm. by that time, I was a bit like, yeah, okay, I'm going to watch it. I've got to watch it for this. But like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not enjoying this in the same way I have the previous ones like it you know um and there's, but there's other factors to this as to why but like yeah it, it just you know the cybermen feel a bit wonky to me and and, and that first got bits but i want to talk about the androids as well because i do actually write about those androids and again there's, there's interesting bits in this and this is me nitpicking because i actually do like the design i mean they're very sort of like you know daft punk like they've got those like real sort of like sheer sort of helmets on they're wearing like body stockings and it's all black and, it, and they're you know it's a cool design it's a really basic cool design and in my head i'm like that sort of makes sense like if you're a cyberman and you're building a robot or an android you won't need you know for this explicit purpose like yeah this is what you do. Like it doesn't need to be anything else. It's just a sleek body and sensory information for it to do its job. It's got a gun in its hand. Like I kind of like that concept of sort of like really simple, utilitarian, really basic. It was weird though when they shot and you find out one of them's a woman, and I'm like, oh, that's weird. One of them has boobs. That's bizarre. Like, but that's a real nitpick. But I did like that idea that they had for these androids because they don't give you anything away. For you to be like, oh, these are Cybermen androids. Like it's not, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing there to give it away, which I, I liked. It continued the mystery. Yeah, uh, and they look cool, and and I like that the you know you sort of see the Cybermen are behind it before any of the characters realize that. Yeah. Um, and and that's kind of like, uh, uh, uh-uh, oh yeah. shit, you know, like, um, 
it's it's a cool uh, sort of reveal. Um, but you know, you mentioned earlier about how characters die. I think right from the start, you know, and and I agree with you. The the first ep- you know, the first episode and a half are not as good as, as mm-hmm. the rest. But um, right from the start, you see uh, Adric arguing with the Doctor, and they're going at each other. This is not a normal companion Doctor polite argument. I mean, Sarah Jane would never yell at Tom Baker. Yeah. Like and and it's and it's vicious. And I mean, Davidson, Davison is the doctor just, you know, is pointing his finger and really yelling at him. And the other companions are like intervening to like not keep them from blows, but to, to pull them apart because it's really heated. And I thought, oh, this is this is a totally different tone. And you know, by the end, so many people have died. I mean, the doctor has, you know, yeah, the doctor kills Cybermen in a lot of Doctor Who serials, but there's something vicious about the way that he does it here in the TARDIS, you know, sapping a guy in the chest a- at the end. I mean, this is, and then, of course, Audric, you know, uh, dies at the end. You know, you mm. watch a companion die. I mean, this is a... This is a whole different, like, this is the Snyderverse compared to, you know, <laughs> uh, like the 60s well, Batman TV show. Let, let's talk about Adric. So I don't, I've never really seen, Davison's like I said, is, the, is the, one of the least I've seen uh, of, of all the Doctors. And, um, you know, I, I knew nothing about Adric really before this episode. <sighs> And so my introduction in him is I, I like the fact that there's this disharmony between the companions because I do get a little bit tired of this sort of like infatuation, of, you know, and of, of doctor and companion. It gets really boring after a while. And I, I want them to shake that up a little bit going forward because no one ever seems to call the doctor on anything anymore. Like, you know, a little bit maybe, but the companion sort of like barely ever does. In any meaningful way. So I agree. And I like the fact that like I say Adric is standing up for himself and he's highlighting that he may actually be smarter than the doctor. Because he's like, well, I can do these calculations that will get me through eSpace to get me back to my home. And it's it, the, the only problem I have with it, and I think it's supposed to be intentional, though, is he comes across as just petulant. Mm. I mean, he's still supposed to be a kid, I assume. You know, Adric's supposed to be young, and it comes—it comes across as almost like a like a childish argument at times. Um, and so it's sort of I—I I find Adric like grating for large portions of this show, and then again, like you say, there's a portion where I'm like, I—I—I I, I felt that I was like, something's going to happen. Like my story sense is tingling. This is going to end up in a specific way. Like Adric, they seem to be really billing Adric in a specific way. Something's going to happen, and so when it gets to his death, and we will cover it more in a bit, I was a bit like, "Oh wow!" Like you know, yeah, they went there. But it, the thing that was different, again, you say about sort of the Snyder first. Like his death doesn't achieve anything. Yes, and that's where I was. That's what shocked me. You know, that usually these things are like a sacrifice to sort of like make sure that the event happens or in doing so, the doctor and the rest of the companions are able to escape or something. This is like, 
oh no, I can achieve this. But even, the thing is, by the point, no, but we'll save it actually, his death, because I want to get to it later, because it sort of felt so bizarre, the setup and payoff, that I was sort of like, I almost wanted to check, and I haven't had a chance to, like, did he have a falling out with the BBC? Were they like, <laughs> right, we've got to can this kid because he's been a pain in the ass? Like, I didn't know. Um, but it had that sort of feeling of like, like we're bumping him off. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I mean, you sort of opened the, the, the door to the death. Uh, but I mean, you know, you're right that it's not it's not ultimately uh, meaningful in the sense of saving the day. Um, it sort of goes in that direction, but then doesn't. And, and I think that there are basic. I will admit that there are basic elements of communicating plot that Earthshock does not do well. Mm. Um, you know, for example, ne- even near the end, you have the Doctor uh, being led to the TARDIS by the Cybermen, and all of a sudden, you you see the TARDIS leaving, and you're and there was a moment where I thought, who's piloting that? Is yeah. that the <laughs> companions who were left there? Did they just take off? And then you cut inside and you see, oh, no, it's the, the Cybermen have gotten there with the Doctor. And you knew they were going there. But, you know, just a little shot of them entering before mm. it takes off would have cleared that kind of thing up for me. And I think that in the same way that ending with um, Roderick is uh, a, a little more confusing than it needs to be. Um and then the same thing with sort of going back in time, and we've mentioned that before. I mean, there are how, things that how, just so aren't communicated that, yeah. well. So how does that happen, the traveling back well, in time? Well, uh, Andrik figures, fiddles with the computer, and there's yeah. a line of dialogue about how, um, I, I, I think somebody says uh, on the ship, you know, before they evacuate, like, you know, this ship isn't made for going back in time. And Andrik says, you know, well, it is now that I've, I've rerouted the power coupling kind of you know yeah. like okay um you know i guess relativity is is strange in the doctor who universe but okay yeah it, it just yeah it was it was just um like i said it dropped on because i missed it because all of a sudden they're like it's 60 it's you know we've gone back to 65 million years ago and i was like hang on what no who who's arranged that like what how well, did that happen yeah i mean yeah, so you know, I, I I will give this a little bit of a pass. I mean, yes, it is dumb that they're going back in time. And this, you know, look, there are a lot of elements of this script that needed another draft, right? Yeah. No doubt. But there is then this dialogue between the Doctor and the Cybermen on, on, while he's a hostage in the TARDIS. Again, it's like, I just love how much stuff in this I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's like, some some you know some writer doctor who writers have taken acid and just decided to like do shit that's <laughs> never been done before like what if the leader of the cybermen is kind of chill you know it's just like amazing so the cybermen are, are talking to the doctor and you know and they're mad at the doctor over what aldrich is sort of doing with the freighter because the freighter's supposed to punch this whole mm. know, earth shield and destroy you know this this conference and then pave the way for this cyber invasion. And the ship is kind of phasing out. And there's some mumbo jumble about, you know, all of this. And the doctor says, well, it's going back in time. And his companions say, well, that means good. That means Earth is safe. And the doctor says, oh, no, 
it's going back in time, but it's still headed to the same place in space, which, of course, this is the point at which you and I point out the Earth is not in the same position when you go back in time, right? But, yeah. Okay. It's still cool. Um, and this is all, you know, you instantly realize what's going to happen because you've had this whole dialogue about the dinosaurs in the first episode. Mm-hmm. So you know, oh, okay. I see what's going to happen here. But, um, but it's still cool. Like, it's ambitious as hell. Yes, the there is no explanation, really, for why it's going back in time. Right. But it's still... I, I don't know. I mean, I, it does feel like the writers are taking acid and just doing tons of stuff that Doctor Who was never built to do. Yeah. I, I, I see what you're saying. I do. I know, <laughs> there, are, there are moments, again, like I said, like, you know, the whole... Because the, 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 their ability to travel through time is linked with the um, the antimatter drive, which has become a bit of a, obviously, a staple. And I like how they actually give a bit of an explanation of that. It's gobbledygook. It's technical gobbledygook as, as always. But I kind of like it. Like you can you can hold it if you can match its this fluctuating power or this fluctuating molecular thing. So the thing that holds it fluctuates its molecular structure constantly to adapt to it. And I was like, that's a really cool concept. Like that is actually a really good, like cool idea. And so it sort of it seems like that is linked into how they're able to travel through time. Brilliant, fine, not not a problem with that. Um, but again, this this thing of sort of it going back to the dinosaur and becoming the thing that kills the dinosaurs, it's cute, you know. It's this thing, and then because again, sort of like that's when the doctor is like, oh, actually, in our sort of, you know, we're going back to a deterministic universe. This is always supposed to have happened, so we need this to happen because it then triggers the next course in the, the earth's um evolution and whatever you know sort of going forwards the freighter yeah i don't know how big this freighter is supposed to be but it's still kind of cool that this is the thing that may may cause the the uh um destruction of the dinosaurs so you have that and then you have this sort of adric got to do these three mathematical problems to complete this thing and there's one left and i don't know what that was all about but like he runs back. He's like, "I've got it," and he's gonna. He's trying to sort of <laughs> complete this thing because he's, he's been ordered off the bridge by the mm. captain and this soldier. And I like. I actually kind of liked all that. But then um, he goes back to do this third one. It, all the mumbo jumbo crap that we know the TARDIS can do, it mm. can't patch through to the communications on the bridge of this freighter to be like. Uh, as Adric is being given this information to be like, no, like, no, you, you were good. Leave it. Mm. Run. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it doesn't, you know. Yeah. No, that's true. But I mean, how many times have we seen these convenient plot contrivances to keep communication down, you know, to keep the TARDIS from going back in time? I mean, all the doctor needs to, I mean, the TARDIS is sort of out of his control at this point, but all the doctor needs to do is go back in time and go onto the bridge and take Adric, right? I mean, even once this is over and it sort of ends in the shock of Adric's death, uh, you know, because we have not literally seen him die, right? He's still in Schrodinger's cat territory. The doctor, you know, this, even in a deterministic universe, the doctor could go back onto the bridge and pull him out a second before mm. he dies. So 
Yes, I mean, that's a contrivance. But, come on, man. Like, they kill a companion. How many times have we seen companions who should have died? And they're always saved, you know? Yeah, I get that. this was a shock. I I like that. I like the fact it's played as a shock as well. Like, the the end credits Mm. are played in silence over... Um, this gold star, like there's a broken version of this gold star that, that Adric's been wearing. And I, I kind of liked that because I can imagine as a viewer at the time, this would have been really shocking. Um, but if I was a fat and Adric fan, I think I'd have been disappointed <laughs> where I'm like, oh, he died as a bit of a punk. Like, he, you know, he, 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 it's, a, it's a really stupid death. Um, so that, that I think, and I think that's maybe me sort of like, you know, I don't not that I need a heroic death or everything, but it feels right. a bit like, you know, I don't know. It, you've well, given him this thing about being in super intelligent and, and all this other stuff throughout the episode, throughout yeah. the serial. And then you, you kill him off in this way. feels a little bit like, all right, it is shocking, but I agree that it doesn't really work. Yeah. You know, especially the sort of like, what is going on with that computer? You know, there are these three sort of like blocks attached to it that I guess the Cybermen have put there and he's got to unlock it in order to gain control of the ship to somehow veer out of the way of Earth, I guess, except it's way too late to veer, you know, and he's trying to unlock these protocols. So he runs back. What has he figured out? I I mean, in order to do the third one, what is he really? He hasn't figured out that, Mm -hmm. you know, this is the... uh, meteor that uh caused an extinction event um so right i mean i agree all of that's terrible but at the same time i kind of you know not just do i think it's cool that he dies but also there is a weird perverse way in which i like that he like if we didn't see anything that happened on in the tardis we would think oh he is just about to save the day like you know he has the moment of realization where he goes back mm-hmm. and if that we don't get that last short circuit we're we i mean the writers it's almost as if the writers are signaling yeah we know the convention we absolutely were capable of writing ourselves out of this we set him up to save the day and then mm, there's a short circuit sometimes you don't get to save the day die punk yeah. <laughs> that's pretty cool yeah, it, it's ballsy. I gotta admit, like, you know, and it's quite cool that they sort of. I admit, it's cool that they did it. Um, I don't know. I mean, one of the things is, I, I, it kept me interested enough that I was like, okay, do I watch beyond this to see how does this affect the Doctor? Like, if I go into the next serial. Has, has Adric's death affected him? Is it going to impact on story and character and that sort of thing, or is it sort of like, oh, that's done, and then we're gonna we're gonna jump on to just just move on to the next story and fighting, you know, some of the next alien of the week sort of thing. So I'm definitely going to have a look at. That. I'm, I'm curious to see what what the impact was, and I'm hoping it did have an impact. Well, I mean, one of the things that that um. Yeah, apparently, like, I mean, I haven't seen the, the, the part before or the part after. Um, but one of the things that is really clear, another way that I really love this, again, it's rough, but you mentioned the sequence at the at the cyber control panel with these the flashbacks to three mm. previous doctors. 
and <laughs> the cyber leader like actually like updates you about you know the entire runs through a brief version of the entire history of the doctor versus the yes. cybermen which is so cool it's like suddenly we're in a different universe we're in one with continuity and there is a reference to at the beginning of this uh serial um there's like uh, the previous serial was named black orchid and there are you know it's clear that you're sort of beginning in medias res that there's some lingering effects of the past serial and they have this sort of like they reference black orchid and there's this sort of like book or something and um and again i haven't seen that but it's almost disorienting at the beginning and at the end you know you have this death that's that's going to at least carry over a little bit into the next mm -hmm. serial and we're no longer in a sort of episodic universe mm. where there are kind of like some nods to continuity. That, and we've talked about how amazing that is in a show going on this long that wasn't meant to um, be preserved forever. But now we're talking about, um, you know, even less, even more of a connection between those episodic serials and a full sort of recounting of the history of this arch, uh, one of the arch villains of the show uh, that stretches back decades. And in fact, the Cybermen had, had only been seen once during all of the 1970s. Yeah. Like, you know, this is some quite ambitious continuity <laughs> stuff going on, especially for 1982. Well, that's the one thing I will say. Is you say about the entering a new era, and I don't know that I don't know any background. I have no, no and no knowledge of this. But watching this, having sort of watched some of the the previous Baker stuff, like I enjoyed that. That I like him as a doc, so I kind of I enjoyed. I've watched a couple of those serials, but that's still cheap. Mm. That still has a cheapness to it, like wobbly walls and and pyrus, you know, uh, pyrus rocks and that sort of thing. <clears throat> but it's still good. I enjoy it. But towards the end of that, you do feel like there's a bit of a shift where they're like, oh, OK, this the, I don't know if the ratings had gone up or done something or they'd moved. But like you say, watching this one, there's more attention to the sets. There's more attention to, uh, to costuming. Um, it's not all, you know, it's not not big budget. This isn't film Hollywood style, but there's more attention to sort of costuming um, the guns. The effects for the ray guns are crap, but at least they're there. It's not just firing, nothing happening in a sort of like a sparky squib going off. Like they're trying something. Or the um, Daleks where you just flash negative. Yeah, exactly. Know. Yeah. Right. So they're trying to sort of give you something on screen to show what's going on. And I kind of like you know uh, the shots of the Cybermen like punching out of those pods mm. and things like, yeah, that's all kind of cool. That, that's effective stuff. Um, I like the Cybermen looks. It's more solid. Like gone are the sacks, sort of like burlap sacks with a bucket. On <laughs> like these look like, um, you know, from '82. Like these look, they're, they're all metallic. They've got the the plasticky metal sort of like uh, helmets and shoulder pads and all the front paneling and stuff like. Yeah, I'm digging it. I kind of like the fact that you can see just the bottom jaw. Like it's it's like mm -hmm. um, see through so you can see the chin to the there's like oh there is a human element to this like there's something organic in there i find that creepy i think it's good so i'm watching this in like you're saying i think the production values on this are higher than they've ever been on this show 
Um, and so I, I am watching and appreciating some of that. However, there's this, there's also this feel of um, I know what happens. You know, like this is eighty two, so it's like okay, like there's something more going on here. Like they, it seems like they are putting in money to Doctor Who mm-hmm. and things. Uh, and as you said, sort of Davison feels like a different kind of Doctor. But I, I don't know. He lasted like two seasons, maybe three. Like I don't know how many seasons he sort of did. <clears throat> But like we're going into, um, you know, sort of like uh, five and six doctors, you know, the fifth and sixth doctor are, are often sort of said to be, um, you know, like they're often forgotten, not forgotten doctors. But do you know what I mean? Sort of like, yeah, down. It was three seasons, right? Yes, Nin- we did nineteen twenty and twenty one. Yeah, the fifth doctor. And so I don't know. There's something about it. There's this weird sort of like feeling I get from this that. There's more money going into it and more consideration. Yet I'm I'm getting slightly less from it mm. than what I've had in the pe- previous ones. Like I go back to like we 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 took the Mickey out of Inferno for a number of reasons. Like mm-hmm. you know, and that Doctor. However, I still felt like more. I'm not say fun because I, I hate to describe it as being more fun because it's not like this. You said this is hitting a tone. But it felt like more Doctor Who-ish in that sort of like, oh, I know how that's ridiculous and stuff. And there was something about this that just didn't land with me. And I'm like looking at it and maybe it's me that I'm looking at it and going like, there's some money here. There's some thought going into this. Mm. Why is it? Why do I find this serial more of a slug? Why am I not connecting with this Doctor? Mm. Where I have in the past. And I was I was questioning, like, you know, Peter David and um, I've seen him in other things. Like I've seen, you know, he's he's a British television actor. Like I've seen him in like detective shows and other things. Like he's not a bad actor. He's relatively good. I just think there's a charisma missing. That's I think part of it. That this and that's not just him. I think there's a sh- from the show for me at least. There's like a charisma missing in this. There's a there's a sort of an a, a, an element missing that that I, I I'm just not connecting with. Well, I mean, let me let me offer a, a sort of hypothesis, which is that, it, and like you, I have not seen a, as much of Davison as I have others, um, but he strikes me immediately as a much more younger, action-packed doctor, mm. despite the costume, than we've seen previously in the previous four. Right? Um, obviously, we've gone. From you know the grandpa doctor to yes. you know weird sort of middle aged men to mm. to one degree or another, and you know uh, Davison seems younger. He's angry. He emotes in a way that uh, you know the doctor never really did. Um, you know, or if he did, even when the doctor was mad, he seemed calm. I mean, Baker always seemed very calm when he would tell you know yeah. the Daleks. You know, you're wrong and you're going to die. You know, I mean, he's very calm about it. I mean, and it seems as if, like, this is the closest we've seen, even with the film that we talked about, to a sort of Doctor Who as an action star. Yes. And as an action serial with, you know, real fighting. There's a fleet of, 
uh, not a fleet, but an army of Cybermen who are invading the bridge. You mentioned the the cost of the sort of special effects and the and the and the cast. You know, it's worth mentioning that wonderful shot of a Cyberman frozen in the door. Like yes. you know, yeah, I mean, yeah that's yeah. a fantastic <clears throat> moment, and it does feel almost like it's an action, you know, sci-fi thing, sort of post Star Wars, I guess. Uh, which was many years earlier or a few years earlier. But, I mean, it does seem as close to that as we sort of ever get. And having seen more of the the later Doctors, that's more the case here than it is with, like, the seventh Doctor later mm-hmm. on. Um, and obviously the revived show has some more action-y elements to it. In some ways, I mean, I, I don't know. I You said, like, it doesn't feel Doctor Who. I think in some ways that's a good thing. Um, yeah, I know, I know what you're saying. I, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, and, 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 uh, yeah. Even, the thing is, because like, we, we say we've had, like, young doctors. We have in New Who. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, I think, like, I don't know how old uh, Davison was when he took this on. But, like, he's clearly, like, I'm going to say, like, in his 30s. You know, probably sort of mm-hmm. early 30s. Matt Smith was probably younger than him. I think Matt Smith was the youngest doctor ever. But we've had this sort of like this idea of like the young, younger doctors like Tennant, Smith, um, probably being the two youngest, action-packed doctors. And and sometimes I wonder like, is it because I'm, I'm acclimatized to the eccentricities of the Doctor? So even going back to Hartnell. Like you get like there's a bit of a sort of an eccentricity, like you know he's grumpy and he has these sort of like his, his ways about him and that sort of thing, and you know Troughton had his his flu to him was sort of like you know his tone was slightly off and he's he's crump he's like you know he was rumpled and that sort of thing like mm. all the way through the doctors have had this eccentricity like you know you can see that they go oh the doctors is it's almost like this he's weird like he's a bit of a weirdo like he has this charisma charismatic weirdness and Davison just sort of like doesn't have that like he, he, he there's more focus on action and i agree with that but he feels he doesn't f- and i know that like you say it's still maybe good that they've diverged from it he feels closer to almost like the, like the eccleston doctor mm. than any others where it's almost like oh i'm not playing i'm not doing the weird stuff like Eccleston lent into it every now and then but like no i'm not doing the weird stuff like you're right i'll wear a set i'll wear a stick of celery on my coat <laughs> But that's it. And I'm an actor and I'm going to play this as a sort of like, you know, and I'm going to emote, as you say. But for some reason, like, this series, okay, let me put it this way. This series has sort of flipped some elements then. Because often um, the Doctor is the eccentric one that's sort of like, we're on an adventure, woo! And it's all sort of like, you know, that's that's almost the point. It It will do the good thing, do the right thing, but it's all about an adventure. And then the human cost or the emotive cost comes from the companion. Right. You know, they, they are the sort of like the entry point or they're the access character. The With this. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The viewer identification. With this, because you have Adric, who's from a different planet, a different time and space. Nyssa, who's from a different planet. And then Tegan, who is obviously, the, I don't know what you're supposed to be. This is a flight attendant, which is like, you know, interesting. Fair enough. Doesn't matter. But like, they never, to me, in this serial, feel like um, an identification character. Like, 
you get others, like sometimes there's the soldiers or um, there's others that you can sort of relate to, probably. But you they, they focus in on the Doctor. Like, the Doctor is the identification character. Like, you're following his story, his adventure. And so it's like they've, they've, it's almost like they've made him more human to make him more identifiable. So gone are the, the weird eccentricities that make him the Doctor, make him Gallifreyan, and they've sort of tried to tone it down a little bit. Now, that's interesting to do, but is it added to me? I feel that that comes at a cost. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the reason I'm not connecting with this in the way that I have with others. Does that no, make sense? Yeah, I do. I do. I think that's fair. Um, I mean, to me, I think that's entirely correct. Um, I think there is something that's lost there. At the same time, I think that, you know, for me, the goofiness of the doctor, and maybe this is, you know, uh, (laughs) feel free to say this is an American perspective. And, you know, you don't you don't know shit because you're from across the pond. But, um, you know, for me, the goofiness of the doctor a little bit goes a long way. Um, Yes, I agree. Yeah, Yeah. And, you know, for me, like, you know, even Matt Smith sometimes goes too far. Um, you know, where I think I'm it's undermining my confidence in his competence. Yes. Um, you know, a, a little bit of that goes a long way. Um, and so for me, I don't mind that element being toned down a little. Um, or even uh, here, it's virtually removed, except for that, that celery, damn it. Um, <laughs> and which I do hate. But, you know, I mean, and and I think that look at that celery, right? I mean, I hate it. If that is the signifier for the goofiness that used to be there, well, I let it be well and truly gone. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And and that's unfair of me because I do like I I love Tenet. I mean, I love a certain degree of, like you say, sort of like Gallifreyan. I'm a little off. right? I'm a little weird. Um, while still being on the ball. But I also think this is coming out of, you know, Tom Baker. And I think the older I get, and, I, and I've and i seen probably half of the Baker stuff. I mean, I've seen a lot of it. I've seen, I've watched whole seasons from start to finish. That is a slog. Mm. The average Tom Baker serial, and obviously we're going through the best stuff, right? Yeah. But But there are so many Baker serials where I think, you know, what happened this episode? You know, the monster of the week stuff where, you know, like, I get it. You're in a Victorian castle. You know, there's some stuff going on. There's a monster lurking around. And I yeah. think, why would anyone watch this? This is just so hard to get through. And Baker is Baker. I mean, we all know him, but he isn't engaging in a lot of those those episodes, frankly. And so, you know, for me, maybe it's just that, you know, I'm acclimatized to that. And this is such a breath of fresh air. Um, And maybe watching more of uh, Davison, I would reach a point where I would say, yeah, it's not really Doctor Who. I kind of liked it at first, but. Yeah, I know what you mean. And I I agree. I, I fundamentally agree with what you're saying. That thing about a little bit goes a long way. And I think when. Uh, Tenant, or yeah, any of them, especially the new who, like Eccleston, e- even Jodie Whittaker, like when they're at their best, it's when you sort of feel that they are 
like you say, slightly off or like there's an oddness to them, but they're still carrying a certain weight in the acting. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons that David Tennant's specials or the, 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 the specials when he left are so beloved because it's sort of, he's playing it like with that emotion and stuff, but there's still that sort of like weirdness. Um, but with this, I feel a little bit like, and I'm going to feel it. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to feel it more with the Colin Baker stuff as well. Cause it irritates me more than ever is this idea of affectations being used to in place of eccentricity. So this idea, like you say, the celery, the shirt with the question marks on the collar. Yeah. Um, being this thing of like, you know, I'm wacky, I'm a little <laughs> unusual. And you're like, oh God. And Colin Baker's is worse. Like the, the multicolored coat already I know is going to irritate me. But again, it 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 can still work because and again, we may see when we when we get to the seventh doctor, when we get Sylvester, Sylvester McCoy, like I like the, his looks and I like the way he used he's got mm-hmm. the umbrella with the question mark. But he has he then holds that, that that element of, especially because we're watching Remembrance of the Doctor, the, the Daleks, and it happens more in that. He has that sort of like Troughton jovialness at times, but there's the constant underpinning of sin, or well, not sinister, but like in control and planning. And, and and you said that deadliness, like he's willing to do certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I feel that like with Davison, you get. What some part of that, but you, I never get the other part of it. Like he, he doesn't have, it doesn't feel like he's doing the two where I feel mm. sort of like some of the others have. Um, well, again, like with Tenant, like you, you will have silly episodes and then you'll have one where you like, you, you understand that there's a rage underneath, like there's a, there's a, you know, there's something going on there. With Davison, like even the end when Adric dies and the, mm. the, the, the companions sort of turn on him and sort of like to look at him. I get what he's portraying, this thing of shock and sort of like that. But again, it's sort of like, it it doesn't, for me at least, it didn't have that impact of like, this should be heartbreaking for him. Like, mm. there should be this thing of like, I could have prevented this. I should have done something to prevent this. Like, but like you said, like, why doesn't he just like jump into the TARDIS and go like, hoo wink, in you come. Um yeah, but I mean, if you say that, then no plot in Doctor Who works. Well, exactly, right? and that's I the mean, point. That's what I'm saying. So I agree, I totally agree with that. Yeah. But like, it, when it just leaves on that, but I don't know. There's just something, and I'm gonna. I, it feels like a strong word, and I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying not. I'm trying to get work around this one word of him. But I kind no, of go for it. I kind of find him boring. Mm. See, I mean, I feel I feel that way about about Baker these days. Um, yeah, you know, and I know that's sacrilege, you know, but. Um, no, I mean, I agree. The ending is, is too, it's pat. It, it, it does invite you to say that same sort of like, yeah, you know, you've got a time machine, right? You know? Um, but, but then again, I say that five times an episode anyway. Um, I, I do think maybe neither one of us have seen the, uh, the, the following serial time flight, which, you know, does sort of begin with uh, in the aftermath. Maybe some of that sort of mourning is, is placed yeah. into the beginning of the next serial. And the point here is just kind of stunning the Doctor Who fandom mm. with, yeah, we killed a companion. Yeah. Uh, he's dead. He's really gone. Um, so, yeah, I, but I do agree with you. I mean, there should be a sort of dating want. There should be a sort of mourning 
there mm. should be some sort of human reaction. But that has more to do with the script than it does, you know, Davison. I mean, I agree with you. And yet, I mean, I, I think that if there is a spectrum of Doctor Who and acceptable Doctor personalities, this is more on that action side. This is more mm. on, you know, look, people love Eccleston. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, Eccleston is beloved. So, I mean, I like seeing... I mean, if anything, this is closer to the Doctor Who that we get in the, the two films. Um, of a yes. much more direct, less goofy Doctor, despite the, the Riddler costume. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I know what you mean. I mean, you know, they have these, you know, costume aside. Um, it's... I, I think it comes down to that delivery. Um, and comic timing or comic capability because there should always be that comic element comedy sort of not comedy it's that different between telling a joke and being humorous isn't it sort of like mm. there's that in undercurrent like uh there's the thing at one point when they, they talk about the leader and they say oh is he always always like this and he says, well you know compared to some of this this one's almost flippant mm-hmm. um and again like it, it, the delivery just sort of felt flat like it should be more sort of like quippy or or sort of like you know he's trying to in the middle midst of all this like he's making this comment and it, it, it sort of his tone and stuff doesn't elevate enough to be like compared mm. to when he's like um you know when they are do you know these people oh i've got a long history with these you know like it, it that feels the same as when they're then talking about something else this is like a legit crisis like it you know it should, i don't know it doesn't have his, his personality doesn't have an the ups and downs i expect i think from a character like this i i think you're right i mean and i i did like that line about positively it, flippant yeah i did like it but i mean i think you're right about the delivery and not having quite that that sense of whimsy or um you know, sort of uh, weird charm um, that it doesn't have to be. It's not a joke, right? But it doesn't mm. have that same sort of uh, whimsical humor to it. The flip side is, you know, and again, I'm I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, bash Tom no. Baker, but there are so. I mean, imagining him delivering those lines. Oh yes, I have quite a long history with them, and I think I don't feel that at all. Uh, you know, I, I feel there's such a sense of, of calm there as if there's no stakes whatsoever. And I know that's part of that delivery and that's part of the charm of that version. But I like how different Davison mm. is. I, you know, I like seeing that end of the spectrum. And for me, it largely works. Mm. Um, it, I agree with you. It's missing those elements. Um but it doesn't feel to me like it's not the doctor. I mean, it feels like it's still in the range of an interesting, acceptable take on the doctor. And I find that quite fascinating. And I think that, you know, really all, every doctor responds to the last one, right? Yes, um, yes, yes. And, and so this is that sort of response and it's a fascinating response. And at the end of the day, you know, we sort of look back and say, "We, I like these things. I don't like those. This one kind of works, but mm-hmm. I don't like 
the costume or I don't like the <laughs> lack of whimsy, you know. But that doesn't mean it's not instructive. And it's through that kind of ping-ponging back and forth that we get a sense of the Doctor, uh, you know, and of that range of that character in the first place. No, I, I'd agree with that, like you say, especially this idea of it sort of um, countering the last version. Um which is a fair point, and I think you know when you when you are coming off something like you say, you are trying to do something so drastically different, so you aren't compared to sort of Tom Baker or whatever's come before you. Like you need to be doing something, and you can't go more. You couldn't really go bigger, could you? Because then, you know, although they do later, but like yeah, I can see why that the 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 instinct is to to do this is to try and pull it back in certain ways and to do different things. So I can understand the instinct of it. And maybe I do need to see more to see it in sort of long form to see how it works um, more. So I, I think I would. I think I might have to do that. So just give a few, you know, give this a few more serials. Or, you know, but I might follow. I'm going to, what was it? What's it called? Sort of, um, the follow up to this. It was called Flight. Uh, Time Flight. Time Flight. Time yeah. Flight. Which apparently, that apparently has the master in it. I've wanted to go back and just kind of do all of the master serials that are yeah. extant. Uh, so I might do that. I might go back and see what the follow up is like for that point. See how Davidson reacts to sort of losing Adric and and does it have um, consequences and you know does it play out? Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about because we we spoke about Daleks. Um, when we had Genesis of the Daleks in the last episode, and obviously when we did the, the films, I want to talk about Cybermen uh, mm-hmm. as a concept. So they yes. come from a planet, and they are sort of like you know this. The the, the concept is that they were a, an organic species that has sort of become more and more um, cybertized, and they sort of like you know mechanical and robotic, and robotic, yeah. Um, over time and so their design has changed and stuff um and this i say this one you have they have this sort of see-through perspex lower jaw so you can see the, the human jaw when they talk and stuff um i honestly think because you don't see that you just see these silver suits i mean granted they're wearing moon boots so it sort of doesn't always look you know they're like they look like ugg boots but it's it's fine i find the cybermen probably more scary than the daleks that's yeah, fascinating because <laughs> um, when you find you know you have davros uh, we've, we've talked about davros and this idea of creating this sort of genetic thing and they're like oh that's going to be the mutation we end up with whatever it is in in on the you know on um their planet um but this feels more intentional it feels more this this idea of being you know removing humanity removing the emotions and all this other stuff sort of feels more intentional and it feels more like body horrorish as well this idea of sort of dismantling the the, the organic to replace it with uh, the robotic uh, and the sidemen have always sort of freaked me out a little bit more than some of the <laughs> other ones um, and I, I, yeah I like I just like the design in this one but I don't know what you, what are your thoughts what are you, what are your thoughts on Cybermen. Yeah, I, I do like the design of these of these Cybermen. My only complaint is that you can see the seam of the helmet in the back. <laughs> yeah. And it's a horizontal seam, whereas the edges of the helmet are, are you know, vertical. And there's clearly no seam where there should be one. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's a minor complaint. But um, to me, I, I like this this 
conversation. To me, the Cybermen have always almost been the poor man's Daleks. Mm. Um, so I find the Daleks far more effective and more horrifying. And I find them more horrifying um, because they are inhuman. So mm. in the same way that like the insects of Starship Troopers are more horrifying to me because there's no reasoning with them, right? I mean, yeah. they look so alien and inhuman and um, you identify them as uh, insects. The same way you look at a Dalek and it does not look like there's something organic there. It mm. looks like... Um, well, it's like the if there was a way in which the uh, tripod uh, Martian vehicles in War of the Worlds are horrifying, it's just yeah. because it is so inhuman and so unlike so a human vehicle. Yeah. And so I find the Daleks uh, sort of like, I mean, they're kind of a hunk of metal on wheels, which yeah. lessens their horrifying effect. But they're so inhuman, so robotic that I, I find them more effective overall. Having said that, I think that the best use of the Cybermen, I mean, gets into the things you're talking about that, you know, you're talking about body horror. Well, we've seen a lot more of that on the Revive show. Yes. Right? Where you yeah, actually yeah. see people inside and, and see this transformation and they focus more on that. I mean, to me, I love Tomb of the Cybermen, a, a previous serial with the Cybermen. And I think that I know a lot of people who don't like the Cybermen. But to me, to me, the difference is that um, the Cybermen, that to me, a single Dalek should be ready to take over a spaceship, right? One mm -hmm. Dalek should be like, oh, shit, there's a Dalek on board. Shit just got real, bro. Like, this should be a huge deal. Like alien, yeah. Yeah, and right. But one of them is an atomic bomb of, yes. a, of a weapon. The Cybermen are not like that. The mm. Cybermen are a bunch of stormtroopers, and it's their and it's their into it's their numbers that becomes more frightening to me. Yeah, it's, the zombies, the, the, the zombie yeah. effect. It's their it's their numbers. Yeah, yeah. And and so I mean, like Tomb of the Cybermen, you see them coming out of the of their cells, and just it, it's better done than it is here, frankly. But it's that sense of like there are fifteen thousand Cybermen mm. on this ship. There's an invasion fleet of these zombie-like beings. Um, and so it is in those numbers and in the different way in which they are impersonal that I, I think you can kind of like squeeze out a way that they're different than the Daleks in a, in a um, meaningful way. Mm -hmm. uh, and, that, and you're right. I mean, they look more like humans, so that's either positive or negative depending on the point of view and they let that obviously lends itself to the sort of body horror stuff yeah like I say, yeah it, it, it is that sort of body horror and you're right about the revive show the new who i think you know like you said there's been a couple of stories where they have they've they've had that and you know even like billy uh in the in the last sort of thing with uh, capaldi like that was a really sad sort of like, you know, the way they did that was really well done or at least i really enjoyed it but then, like, they've had other times when they sort of i think you know um, some of the other characters have been cybertized, they've been sort of like taken and made into the cyber, and you've seen it happening. Um, but I don't, yeah, there's just something about them I just find endlessly creepy. And I do like this idea of sort of like this that they were, I say human, but they were an organic species, and now they're this thing. I mean, this is 82, and obviously, they've come even before that. 
that they feel like a precursor to the Borg. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, the, 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 you know, like, and again, mm-hmm. I'm not saying yeah. Star Trek stole from Doctor Who, but they definitely feel like, oh yeah, the next thing would be the Borg. Um, you know, that's that sort of like, well, you know, we're gonna have a hive mind and we're gonna have this idea and sort of stuff. And we've even when we talked about, we have talked about this idea of, uh, we've talked about Picard. Um, like off air, this idea of the Borg Queen, and again we've had mm-hmm. this. You, you have like the King Cyberman or the leader Cyberman. Sort of this idea of, of having this hierarchy seems sort of like almost within robotics, sort of like almost pointless. But I like there's this idea of sort of like removing the humanity and sort of in this. Um, one of the things that's that's, that's bizarre, but interesting is, is this one the leader because he seems different to the others. Like he talks about, um, well, if we can't set off the bomb, or we're not going to do this, we're just basically just going to fly the ship into the planet, and then he's basically going to leave to watch his victory from somewhere else. So it's eventually, he intends to steal the TARDIS so he can watch his victory from the TARDIS. I'm like, all right, fine, fair enough, whatever. But it's this idea of celebrating a victory. Because they keep saying, like, you know, actually at one point the Doctor says to him, sort of like, you know, about emotions. It's, well, you don't know what emotions are, you know, you, you've removed all your sense of humanity. And I'm like, but then they're going to have him stand and bask in a victory, <laughs> you know. And I'm like, well, that feels like very emotional. That's that's pride. And, you know, mm. and, and that bit felt a bit weird. But I'm like, oh, really, he should be like, well, the cause is to blow this thing up. So, of course, I'm, you know, how do you feel about flying? You're going to be destroyed, and you'd be like, "Well, the logical thing is that I'm going to, I'm going to stay here and ensure the mission is completed." So, yes, I will be destroyed, but for a greater cause. And so, it, it, it's interesting that they keep talking about this thing about the lack of humanity. But, like, yeah, the leader clearly isn't. <laughs> like, he he's not fully endorsed. I'm not even telling you <laughs> he's fully he's fully getting the sort of like he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing all this stuff, but I'm not going to kill myself over it. Like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not, you know... I'm not sure the cyber process was completed with that dude. <laughs> yeah, he was a Friday afternoon job. They left him <laughs> out. But... Yeah. Yeah, but uh, that's all true. But I do really... I love this cyber leader. And I am and I don't know why, except that it is different from what I'm used to. Mm. And he... But at the same time, he is still really evil. I mean, he is so ready yes. to... <laughs> Like, it's such a cliche that Superman or the Doctor and all these Batman, all these heroes have somebody say, I'm going to kill your friend, right? Yes. And usually that is a long, drawn-out process. Here, the cyber leader is just like, I get it. I'm going to kill your friend. Well, now I have control of you. Don't I? (laughs) It's just like, oh, he is evil. And then he forces... uh, you know, the doctor to get on board to leave, even though Aldrich is uh, left on the ship. So he's still leaving a companion to die. But if he doesn't, another companion is going to be killed right in front of him. And I thought, oh, you know, this is this is decent stuff. And I sort of like that he is. You're right. I mean, yeah, he's more emotional. He's more sort of chill. It's not so over the top that it's it's played like um you know, like he's a hippie or like, um, you yeah, know, I'm thinking not, of not, like uh, yeah, springtime for Hitler, you know, yes, like, yo, I'm the cyber leader, man. You know, yeah. uh, it's not so over the top, but I like that the leader sort of has a little more freedom and and 
I, I mean, you're right about it. It's funny because they don't like the Borg Queen, right? Mm. But I don't like the idea that there's a hive mind, but the person in charge is is just sort of lackadaisical. But here, like, this isn't the cyber leader of all the Cybermen. He, he, there yeah. are these references to, like, he has to report to, to further superiors. And, and I don't know. I mean, I like that there is this exception and that maybe the leadership isn't as restricted as the grunts in some way. Yeah, because, you know, yet what's interesting is they don't identify him in... He has a very distinctive voice, let's put it that way. <clears throat> but they don't identify him in any other way. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't give him, like, you know, an insignia or... or it's not uh, true. He, he has he has the the sort of um, bar uh, on his head, right, that goes... That right. is black. And it's oh, of course. the same yeah. silver color on everyone else. So they do, yeah. So he has got some sort of insignia. But very insignia. subtle. Yes. Yeah. yeah, but it's... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, that is very... Either I hadn't noticed it or I'd completely forgotten it. Um, so yeah, I he is fun as a character again. This idea is sort of fun. I do, I actually like whatever the actors bring into it, d- does kind of work. Um, and again, like you say, doing something different. And so, in, in the moment, I'm not, I'm not hating on it. Um, it, it but it is kind of, it is kind of funny to have this almost like. He's not. He's, he's not mustache twirling. He's not completely sort of pantomime villain, but he is more animated. It's, you know, his his articulations are more animated than I would expect for um, a Cyberman. However, it it does sort of work, uh, and I do like that. I do like those interactions between the leader and the Doctor. I think that you know there are some good. And that one you mentioned about how he's got control by threatening to shoot uh, Tegan is actually kind of good because it's it's a, it's a real sort of simple display of power like you know like the doctor's trying to be sort of you know stubborn or belligerent or whatever and he's just he just sort of turns the gun and he's like kill her and then he's like the doctor <laughs> runs to her and he's like there you go you know let's not play around let's not play silly buggers like you know what i know <laughs> this is this is there's only one way this is playing out um and so yeah. i kind of like that and and again that's kind of part of the sort of actiony sort mm. of dark element of this of this serial um and, and davison is a sort of action star and i think you know right from the start with that argument um it establishes this is a sort of this is a different doctor this is a dark universe um i mean we have an invasion we have you know and and yeah, i mean we're used to this on the revive show but I mean, there were fifteen thousand Cybermen. We're used to like ten, right? Yeah. We're being told there's like twenty, and it's really like two at a time because they only have two costumes, you know. Yes. Um, yeah. But here, you know, you feel like this. This is a big deal. This is a mm-hmm. this is Doctor Who on a very different scale than we've seen before, and I, I and that. I think that's quite charming to me. Yeah. No, that, that that is one of the elements I do like about this that I do think works. Um. Yeah, going back to some of the sets and some of the stuff, like it feels elevated in that way. That I'm like, oh, okay, this is kind of cool. Um, so I, I would agree with that, and I think I think we're both in agreement. Sort of like the the lead was actually is good, and I, it, it is one of the things I did enjoy about this this serial. Something I wanted to note actually: this is 1982, and we go to the freighter, and it's meant to be this massive thing. 
and you get a crew and you get to the bridge and its captain is a woman and its navigator yes. is a woman. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, and again, the captain is a bit of a bitch, but in a good way. Like, she's mm-hmm. seen some shit. You know what I mean, this is a woman who's like, look, I'm a captain because I've been around for quite some time. I've done the job. Like she no does not suffer fools. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like yeah, and, and and it's all her sort of like below her. There's like a security chief, or whatever, who is actually a traitor, and some of the people that are all men. But like, she runs mm. this ship, like you say, without any messing around. Like she feels like mm-hmm. I, I legit believe she would be running a freighter ship where she's like, oh, I'm keeping these people in line. I'm not going to take any shit from anyone. Like I've done this a hundred times. I know what I'm doing. And I kind of liked her as a character. Like, I yeah. thought she was really good. Uh, and the same with the navigation or the pilot. Like, again, they didn't play her sort of to be... Um, in fact, none of the women in this, and this is, I know, I'm not trying to bring up sex, but none of the women in this are played as, as sort of damsels, really. Mm-hmm. And even but when they are scared, they're honest about it. So there mm. is the scientist later on. Um, and 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 Tegan says to her like, well, "Are you going with the soldiers?" And she's like, "No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a soldier. I'm staying here." And um, but it's not done in a sort of like a sniveling cowardly way. She's like, "Like it's like almost like a common sense way." She's like, "No," and then like, "All right, well, give me your overalls." And she's like, "Fine, whatever." But like, I was interested to see that, like, yeah, the nineteen eighty two, like you know, it's it's almost and it's not commented on. You know, like the doctor just interacts mm. with them, and Adric sort of talks with the with the pilot. They talk about the sort of the antimatter propulsion and some of the navigation stuff. And she's a competent pilot. Like again, they said they've worked together for some time, and so I was, I was, I was quite I, I kind of like that this dynamic they had on the bridge with these two characters. Yeah, I did too, and and I think the other thing that's remarkable about that for me, and I and I love what you say about how it's not. A big deal. It's not remarked upon. I mean, no. there might be an undercurrent of the because the treason is never successfully explained to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but so there might be a sort of symbolic way in which that man is resisting because he doesn't always get along with uh, Captain Briggs. So maybe there's this sort of symbolic way in which he's resisting this female yeah. leadership. Um, but I mean, the other thing worth noting, and, and it, it's perhaps not kind of me to say is that um, Captain Briggs, very well played by Beryl Reed, um, was not cast for her looks. No. Um, and I quite like that. I yeah. mean, we've, we've talked about this, you know, in, in the past of sort of the cliche of women in powerful roles um, having to also you know, wear a skin tight suit and look attractive mm-hmm. and, and wear makeup and all this. Captain Briggs is a middle aged woman. She's a handsome woman, but she's no but she's not a sex symbol. There is no yeah. attempt to doll her up and make her be, you know, everything to all people. And she but she's respected as the captain. And I quite love that. Um, yes. To me, that's that's as remarkable as having a female captain in the first place. Because we are so used to, especially these days, right? Yeah. Every yeah. time we see, like, I'm a lawyer who's who's won every case. I'm also 23 and look like a supermodel. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's the thing, like you say, I like the fact that... The, if, and this was, I always thought, like, alien 
mm. felt like mm. an influence. Um, it felt like a working ship. And then when they do talk about stopping or um, turning around, or like they say something about, look, if we, if we just move the ship's uh, course it's a couple of degrees, it'll miss the Earth. And she's mm-hmm. like, no, I've got, a, I've got a bloody delivery to make. You know, she's like, it's my ship. I will do what I want. We'll, we'll block them all in. We'll deliver the stuff. And then the security forces can deal with them as they see fit. Like, it's not my job. And I kind of like that that's the logic. She's like, I'm not here to save the world. I'm here to do a job. Um, and so has that sort of dynamic and sort of like it becomes not so much a plot point, but becomes a sort of an argument that comes up. And she obviously changes her, her course. But like, I like the fact, again, not like talking to these characters, like she's not instantly jumping to heroic mode. where like, well, we must activate the self-destruct and save the planet. She's like, <laughs> ah, screw that. I've got a job to do. I could be fined if I'm not turned up on time. Um, yeah, and she's not convinced, you know, that everything she's being told is correct. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, she feels competent, which is the thing I think, you know, which is is cool. Well, interesting. I mean, I, I think you're right about the parallels to Alien, you know, which is '79, right? Mm. So we're, you know, three three calendar years later. Um, I, I was just reading that um, that cyberscope uh, prop, the sort of cyber TARDIS console oh, yeah. that they have apparently that was built using parts uh scavenged from the nostromo set that really of ridley scott's alien oh my god really um, yeah and apparently the the digital readouts of random numbers on screen was you know potentially inspired by you know the digital readouts of random numbers on the nostromo so there is sort of like a direct parallel there and yeah, it, it, it definitely feels like an influence. That's really cool to know that even like the props were like have that that genesis and that that sort of like birth. That's cool. Um, yeah. So again, going back to this thing again, sort of like what's interesting. We've talked for a little while now. Everything we appear to have talked about has been those second two episodes. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Really. Um. And I think that sort of is that comes back to what I was saying before. That I think that's really telling that those first two episodes we talked about that we've talked about the the androids and sort of we talk a little bit about the soldiers, but like we haven't commented on anything that they've got they've got that that tracking device. There's some soldiers on uh, on the surface. There's some underground. There's the whole cave system. There is that whole conversation around. They find a skeleton in the wall, which you know, fine. It looks like it's been it's ready for a museum sort of display. Yeah. Um but that perfectly then perfectly unearthed just right <laughs> yes. along yeah. Now, um, now maybe they worked at that, right? Maybe I mean maybe. these are caves with light, so maybe Yeah. Part yeah, of the archaeology. Yeah. Um and there's obviously the conversation then when the doctor does they have this conversation about what killed the dinosaurs, and the doctor's like, Well, you know, most people think it's a, an asteroid like them. I've always wanted to sort of go back and and see that. So you get that sort of the smoking gun, the the Chekhov's time travel, <laughs> if you will. Um, but all that's, it, I think, I think that's the point. I'm, I, I often come back to like that. I started in almost like in bad, a bad mood. But you know, those first episode and a half, as you say, sort of. Like, in fact, I say the whole first yeah. two episodes. I, there's not, there's, there's so little for me to grab onto there. Mm. But the second half is better, a lot better, in fact. 
Um, and so I'm willing to forgive some certain bits, but like, but it's it's just such a it's just such a series of two halves. Well, Would you're it... right. You're right. But there were things even in that first half that, that I mean, and again, it's not the first half, right? I mean, it's like a it's like a an episode and a half, right? Um, well, the second episode ends with um, them being they find the dead bodies, don't they? And then. I, I I see. I have I have watched it all as a movie, right? Oh, okay. So, yeah. So I I was trying to figure out where the ending of part two is. Right. I think the first ending is them finding the bomb. I'm trying to remember, and then the second one, or maybe it's this one. But you know, they find the two dead bodies, and the security guy comes up behind them. Okay. And then okay. they're like, well, look, look, we didn't do this. That's the end. When they get find, they find this. That's the end of episode two. Right. So they're on the they're on the freighter. On the ship. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, nothing's yeah. really interactive with it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so I agree. I mean, I like the sets of of the caves. I love the fact that it's a whole different set than what you're going. I love the left turn. You know, as you go to the freighter. I. What, so what I like is the. I like Davison. I like the argument. I like the, um, you know, the sense of of stakes there, and um, you know the ways in which it's unconventional, and they attempt to evacuate using the TARDIS, mm-hmm. um, and the revelation of the Cybermen, you know, who hadn't been used for years. It's like, oh shit, right? Um, so there's a lot of stuff that I, I would say work for me, even in the early stuff. Having said that, the Guy on the surface looking at dots on a screen. None of that works. None yeah. of that needs to be there. Um, and yeah, I think you're right that generally we, I mean, we both like the Android design, but generally that stuff is weaker. It should really be streamlined. Um, so, I mean, I would say in general, I agree with you. My only caveat would be, and I think we both agree that the latter stuff is better and it could even be expanded. The only thing I would say is um, remember the first like episode or two of Inferno. Like we mm. love the sort of we love once they're in the parallel universe, right? And the, you're in Mirror Mirror, and it's so much fun, and it just works. But everything until that, yeah. I, you know, I thought, oh hard. my god, I'm gonna have to get through like six episodes of this. Like this is gonna be rough. And here is four episodes, and you've got like one and a half that are you know, a little rough. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they could have, I agree with you, but, you know, it's not so bad. No, I, as you're saying, you convinced me in some more that <clears throat> I think I was, I had a bad taste when those first couple of episodes or the, the bits in the cave because it just felt not great, but it gets better. And there is, there is good stuff to be taken from a lot of it. Um, so it's probably not the worst we've seen. We'll get to when we do our, um, Rating when we come sort of to the end, I think we'll talk about that. Um, but again, I think I think it's like a contributing to factors. Like you know, I, I was going in the first. I don't. I don't like the, the first bit. Didn't really work for me. The caves, apart from some bits mm. and pieces, I'm not sort of jiving with Davison as a doctor. Mm. Um, the whole conversation, whilst I like the intent of the conversation between the doctor and Aldrich, uh, Adric, sorry, um, at the beginning. It slightly comes across like a petulant teen, where you sort of in the dark, like you say, "No, you don't give me enough attention and respect. I, I, you know, I'm an adult. I'm a, I'm a man now, kind of thing." When I'm like, and the doctor's saying, 
Look, we've had this, we've sat down and these like, whole debates, and he's like, yeah, but it's all throwaway. Look, it feels petulant in some ways. Um, yeah, and and so, but and, and that's fine. But like, it, it it grated a little bit. So I think I was mm. sort of going into this, and again, I I almost feel like, uh, like you said, we we've been we chose a list of best offs, so we could go through the the seven mm. classic doctors. But one of the things I've learned really up to this point in doing some of this is if you have context for the Doctor, like Tom Baker, mm-hmm. for example, you can dip in and go, that story, and you go, yeah, I get what it's about. I sort of get what's going on. And you can sort of dip in and dip out. And you could probably do that even more so with the very first because it was designed to be episodic. You know, I think sort of like, you know, the, the Hartnell was like, there was very little hangover from previous adventures from one to the next. But with Davison, like you say, they're introducing a continuity where this is episode, this is season 19 episodes. I forget what now, but it's quite later on into that season where this may have had much more of an impact mm. and actually have been much more um more interesting i would have come into this in a much better fashion had i watched the series that came before it do you know what i mean yeah yeah and i, I think especially the trauma of, of killing a companion yes um and and also the revelation of the return of the the cybermen um you know, when you look at uh, even the Baker years, I mean, Baker had such a long tenure um, mm. and then, you know, really barely uses this. I mean, only has one Cyberman uh, story, only has, you know, one or two with the Daleks um, and really gets away from those classic characters. Mm. And then, you know, you have. um davison come on and this is in his his first season and you you know you might think okay well we're in a different doctor it's a different look and feel um it's very different and then all of a sudden the cybermen are back which Mm. was a big shock and they they kept that secret as they were filming this to keep that a shock to to viewers um and that must have been like sort of you know watching the daleks come back in the first season of of eccleson or you know um, yes. The master at the end of, you know, Tenant, uh, the second season, um, or I guess that's the third. But those were big shocks. Those were so much fun to have happen. And I think the return of the Cybermen would have been a big shock. Mm. And then seeing uh, the death of a companion would have been another big shock. And it had to have been, well, the script does need another rewrite. I think we'd agree. Um there's a lot to recommend it. And I think you're right that in the context of not just the serials before and after, because we're into a different kind of Doctor Who, right? Yeah. Um, in, in terms of its episodic content. But also, you know, this must have been a shot across the bow um, in March of 1982. You're, yeah, it does. It feels like a shift. And I feel like they, I feel like they may have re... Um... I don't know, they sort of stepped up for this season. Okay, we've got a new Doctor. Let's try for something. Let's give it another boost. Like, we're going to give it some 
you know, an infusion of energy, an infusion of cash, probably. Um, and I do think maybe my feelings towards this are doing it a disservice because I'm only sort of experiencing this one slice of it. Mm. You know, and again, it, it comes to like everything else, like you know, you and I, you know, reading comics, or you, you wouldn't take a character and go, I've read six issues and I don't like them. And you go, well, yeah, but there's 40, 50 years of, of history around that character. You know, you sort of, I don't like that run, maybe, or that interpretation. Mm. But like, or even, as is more the case, like, you know, if you were to take like Ultimate Spider-Man, for example, and you're like, oh, yeah, I read, I read this, I read issues um, 46 to 55, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm not a fan. And you go, yeah, all right, well, you haven't read issues 1 to 45 first. So everything that's happened before that and that sort of thing. So I've, I've, maybe I'm coming, and I feel like I'm, I'm accepting that I'm coming in probably at the wrong point with with too little information. Um, and I'm accepting that because I think that's how modern television, even more so now, like you couldn't jump in to sort of say right. season three of certain the TV wire. shows. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, go. Oh, I'm going I'm to watch that because you you have to have that pre knowledge. Or even more, even worse, you couldn't sort of jump in and go, "I'm going to watch episode nine. I'm going to start watching mm. episode nine, season three, <laughs> yeah, of, of a TV show. Like it doesn't work." And I think that I get that feel a little bit from this that maybe there is a little bit more wider context that would give this whole serial a bit more weight. Well, I don't, I don't know that you should you should be that down on yourself because I think it's only fair to say, um, you know, look, the entire point of this is to take serials out of context right mm-hmm. and you can do that and i think that it is fair um I don't, I don't think there's anything that we're going to suddenly discover like i mean if you don't like those issues of uh ultimate spider-man you're not gonna like ultimate spider-man right yeah. I and mean, if you're just like this is terrible you know i can't stand bagley's art you know all right well you're not gonna like it right just stop but so I do think that um, you're being maybe a little too hard on yourself. But having said that, um, you know, I, if there's one way in which I could sort of pivot off what you're saying, I, I do think that one thing that would come from that is maybe less sort of seeing the story in progress and more getting used to Davison as the doctor yes. and used to a different take. And I think that, look, I mean, if we... If we had, say, stopped at uh, David Tennant and just said, uh, Davies is off the show, I'm done. This is a perfect jumping off point, and it is. Uh, I'm done. And then we sort of came back in and saw one episode halfway through Matt Smith's run and one episode halfway through um, uh, Capaldi's run. We'd probably say, who the hell is this? Yeah. This is too whimsical or this is too serious. You know, th- this this old guy's weird face doesn't look right. It's not whimsical enough. But, you know, so I think there's something to be said for more getting a feel for what that take on the doctor is, if that makes mm. sense. Yeah, that's I think that's right. Put it in context. Give it a bit more. Yeah. A bit more juice, as it were. Um, yeah, I, you're right about taking it out of context as well. It, it, I can see why. The, the thing is, as well, this we chose this one because 
you know, we did some research and this was held up as as being the, the Davison story to, to to check out, or at least one of the ones that sort of that came up repeatedly. So I'm like, okay, cool. So if this is the one that's gonna be to be fair, you have a point. If this is the one that's been held up as the one to watch for Davison, and I'm like, eh. <laughs> maybe you're right i'm going to go into the next one and be like yeah just as yeah and and so it, you know it could be that I, I am going to try a few more i'm going to try some more davison I'm, I'm definitely going to try time flight i want to see what the ramifications are of, of adric's death and i want to see what it's like how this one how davison interacts with the master i think that could be quite interesting mm-hmm. um but yes that's uh that is for another day um any final thoughts then for for anything else you want to talk about for Earthshock? No, um, I'm I'm quite uh, pleasantly surprised with it, and I think I have been by most of these um, mm. serials that we've seen. The one thing I would note on the way out is that you're not the only one who didn't like Audric. <laughs> Um, <laughs> apparently he was quite despised and that was why they decided to kill him off. Okay. Um, and it, in Makes part sense. because he was, you know, I'm smart and I yeah. know more than you and a sort of, you know, smart, young, sort of cocky, petulant kid. Um, and then having killed him off, suddenly everybody said, oh, I really care about this character. So it just goes to show, you know, if you have a character who people don't like, kill him off. And people will suddenly find that <laughs> be more he had invested in them. Yes. All, all I know is, from what I understand, is um, the 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 lad who played him, uh, Matthew Waterhouse, mm-hmm. um, got the audition sort of almost by accident and stuff. So it's one of those that sort of like you know wasn't intended, but sort of like sort of struck it lucky. So whether he was hated or not, like he's a he's a part of Doctor Who canon, and and fair play to him. Like you know, obviously. Um, I, what, what I would say about the companions is, and I sort of mentioned it, I do kind of like the fact that there's not all human. Mm. Like that, again, you said about going against the normal, trying something different. Like this isn't just Mary Jane Smith or one of those others. Um, the, uh, the thing I, and this is the thing I thought, this is really silly. This is a, a, a weird little side note. So uh, Adric and Nyssa are both from uh, different planets. Adric's from a different plane of existence. And I was watching, I was looking at Nissa and I was like, I kind of like your costume. It's kind of cool. You've got these big sort of like, you know, puffy shoulders. And then you sort of, it comes, it's got like a corset thing. And then you've got these boots. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then Tegan is, she's this like a stewardess and she's wearing very earthbound clothes. And then Adric is wearing this like get up that's got, you know, got a bit yellow on it, it's got his badge on it. It's all kind of, it feels unclear what they're trying to go for. And I was, I was like, Part in my head, I was like, why do they wear that stuff? Like, why aren't they sort of like, you know, why don't they wear in my head? I was like, normal clothes. And then I was like, well, actually, if I was to be the companion, like, I would continue to wear jeans and a t shirt. Like, that would be what I would be wearing. And then you probably would bump into it and be like, why are you wearing such like weird clothes? So it sort of struck me. I like the fact that they do maintain their, their, their home planet look. Mm. that that's what they're going to keep so i like the fact that they make them they do have that slightly quirkiness with their costumes that they haven't humanized them in a, in a way they have maintained that that they're from a different place um and apparently the other thing is nissa has a bit of an arc as well so mm. that's quite an interesting sort of i don't know if about it i can't, I can't comment on it but like there's the character they give her a bit of an arc um with, as a companion which is kind of cool going back to the idea of continuity and an ongoing 
character changes. Um, so maybe there is more to sort of experience within the Davison years. But yeah, but that's that's sort of my thoughts on Earthshock. It was all right. Um, <laughs> what was it? You, you, you've sort of convinced me it wasn't the worst one we've watched. I think we'll, we'll get to that when we rank them at the end. Um, but we're sort of six in. You know, we've done five Doctors now and the TV in the film. We're six in, and I'm kind of enjoying going back. I am. I'm, kind of, I'm enjoying the going back and doing this, as we said. And the more I'm learning, and sort of like it feels like doing this will actually. One of the things I'm going to do actually after this, um, I'm going to pick an episode from each of the the new doctors you know the re- revitalized show and i'm going to re-watch those and sort of those ones that sort of harken back to or have glimmers of sort of the the, you know, the, the leg- idea of legacy and stuff and it, just in the knowledge of this classic who sort of like how does it stand up in you know does it feel of a piece hmm. you know could you have gone from i wonder could you have gone straight from the seventh doctor to eccleston um you know would it would it have what is is or there from the tv movie yes from the public yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. um could, do you feel that sense of continuity so i mean i'm interested to sort of see how that that you know do i feel that i think that'll be interesting yeah i'll, I'll put my money on on you do um yeah. you know I, I i think having seen the tv movie and and sort of thinking the eccleston stuff sort of looks cheap right i mean you see yeah. the you know it's, it's present day stuff but um yeah, I mean there are, there are these incongruities, but I'd be fascinated to to see what you think about that when you're yeah, done with that project. I think it'll be just a little a little note. Yeah, we'll come back and I'll have, I might have a, have a think about you know I'll let you know how I feel about that. But any, any well, we'll thoughts? probably keep doing this, and and by the time we're we'll just do a little Doctor Who here and there, and by the time it's twenty thirty, we'll be you know <laughs> old man talking about the Nysa arc and yeah, you know yeah. how much we've learned. Yeah, really getting into the minutia of um, what. Saying that though, like just as a, an odd note, like I can see now again um, watching these these back. I watched them for the first time. I can see how if you if, if this is your thing, if this is your um, jam, if you're you know like if you are a Doctor Who fan, how much like you know like with Trek or Star Wars or whatever, like you can get into the lore. You know, like there are characters that you can really dig in on and be like, yeah, I think this is how the continuity works. This is how the timeline works. And this is where they're from. And da-da. Like there's a lot of law building up in these sort of like these decades. And I'm actually sort of like, I fully understand now why, you know, because it's not just these TV shows. Obviously, there was books and other things going on, even even in the 80s. We're going to get to that period in the 80s where the comics started to come out. Mm hmm. Uh, and stuff and so there was other material for Doctor Who um, and I can completely see now why people got so into this and why this was such a sort of a, a success when it was um, but anyway moving onwards and upwards onto the next iteration or the next generation and we're going to be doing the Colin Baker years as next and we're going to be doing Vengeance on Veros is the one we're doing for uh, Colin Baker and Which I know, I know nothing about the serial, so I'll no, honest. no. Yeah. Well, again, I think I've seen some Colin Baker, and mm-hmm. I have, I, I, 
like purposefully, as I've done with all of this, I've purposely not gone back on watching all this in order. I've not watched anything. Mm-hmm. I just have this memory of him being angry. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know how much that how much of that memory stands up. Mm. Um, and so we will see uh, when we watch the show for the next episode. Looking forward to it. Yes. Uh, and again, if you want to interact with us at the uh, Time Space on Twitter, and if you really like us, go to the Patreon for 20th Century Geek. Yes, was it's a, a patreon.com slash 20CG media. Um, and if you like what me and uh, Julian are doing on this, you like the Twilight, if you like us talking about TV shows, mm-hmm. um, we are doing a, a full run through episode by episode of the Twilight Zone. Uh, and that has been amazing. They, they are sort of like snippet episodes. We're trying to do them between 15 and 20, 25 minutes long. Uh, and we are covering every episode of The Twilight Zone. It's a massive project and it's been an absolute treat to do. So go and check out. There's other podcasts and stuff on there, all kinds of amazing content at different levels. So go check out. There'll be a link down below. Uh, but Julian, as always, thank you very much uh, for joining us on this journey through time and space. My pleasure. Let's uh, do it again soon. Yes, and we shall do it uh, for the next episode. Colin Baker's Vengeance on Varos. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much, and uh, we shall talk again soon. There's something very important I forgot to tell you. What? Don't cross the streams.